We are live. Totally fine. Here we go. Our guest this week, welcome back. Our guest this week has been praised by Bela Fleck as one of the best technical players ever. He is on the top three three fingers five string banjo banjoists in the world and has taken the single string technique to new heights. As a protege of jazz guitarist John McLaughlin, he is well known for his meticulous and technical playing style, incorporating anything from modern jazz to world music and everything in between. Seen regularly with his dear in Kenbrook's legacy, we are honored to welcome Mr. Ryan Kavanagh. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Thanks, guys. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, with me, as always, is Mr. David Bandrowski, all the way out on hey. the East Coast. Uh, yeah. And I think we'll kick off. Ryan, do you want to play us in a little bit? Sure. Good to see you. Good to see you too. So what you been up to during uh, lockdown and everything? Lots of practice. You know, thinking about practicing, thinking about what I'm going to practice next. A lot of listening to music. Um, you know, the, the concept of with great discipline comes great freedom. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm going for in this, this time at home. Right, right. So I've been listening, listening to a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Tried what have you been listening stuff. to? What kind of Tried stuff have you been listening to? I went back and I listened to some of those records produced by Quincy Jones. Um, Did a lot. He produced a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. So I kind of dabbled. I went through and, and listened to a bunch of those. Um, I really like the bass on those and uh -huh. the drums. And uh, it kind of got... I really like some of those some of those chord voicings that you some chord, some of those type of chords you hear especially in the Michael Jackson songs. Right, right, right. So for fun I did that to tune in a synthesizer pickup that I have on another banjo and kind of learn how like I would phrase over that if I were to improvise over those chords. So how, how is it playing with this like a synthesizer banjo like the the you know, attack and, and everything on it. The Fishman triple play pickup makes it great. Yeah. It's like an advancement, you know, it just plugs, you can just plug it right into your computer. And do you have to change kind of your right hand technique at all in, in more of a guitaristic sort of approach? Um, yeah. It really like, uh, as, as far as my, I'm going to try to change the term from single string to linear melodic. Sure. Because it, the single string just sounds so caveman. <laughs> we're in 2020 here folks let's call it linear melodic okay right. <laughs> but <laughs> i'm social engineering here um no but but uh it really helps with my you know that type of playing you know phrasing and pure melody um regardless of what st strings i'm choosing to play 
um, playing with a synthesizer has just really helped, you know, that linear melodic playing. Uh, <laughs> you know, you trying to make sense doing that without using, you know, the standard banjo techniques out there. Right, right. It's a challenge I like. I yeah. like doing it, you know. It's like surfing. How's it like surfing? It's like anything that you have to relate that type of, uh, you have to, in order to have an idea, you know, uh, you take a risk having that idea, especially if you, it comes into fruition. But to have a new idea, to see if it works, you have to try it, you know. So uh, that's kind of the direction I think about it. It's, it, it that kind of relates to everything. All right. And, and I kind of put the banjo in that in that framework when I work on the artistic side of it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, about your your linear melodic <laughs> approach as as you know you kind of I, you know you, you I know you have you know you, you've kind of took it in a new direction so why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I wanted there was just other music outside of banjo music mm -hmm. um, that that I wanted to play on the banjo just because it was beautiful or yeah. it grabbed me in some way. And, uh, you know, I was never much one as everyone knows for musical boundaries. So I, right. I try everything. And, uh, one of the things I was trying was jazz mm -hmm. and that was the first thing. And these horn players had such beautiful melodies, you know, right. Charlie Parker melodies that are just single notes, but You know, just something like came across. I was like, can I do that on a banjo? And they said, okay. with this crazy three finger bluegrass technique, there should be no reason why that hand should have a problem. Right. Why well, you can't get enough, you, you can get enough notes out. Right. right. But I couldn't play to start off with. Right. Right. <laughs> had a goal. Right. And I had no idea what the notes on the fretboard even meant back back then when, mm -hmm. when I started playing like this. So, I mean, it was songs like... You know, and uh, let's see. But you just take a fiddle that. tune and then you turn it into the style. Yeah. something similar to that that's right. that's what i learned first um because i wanted what? to play with the along with the fiddle player if i could right. go to jam you know were you playing were you like that sound you know with the triplets was very irish were you, were you doing, going to irish sessions at all or, or was it all kind of bluegrass sessions my instructor at the time this guy named rex mcgee yeah um he plays fantastic celtic banjo i mean it, I mean, he sounds very, very authentic, even to the guys yeah. that are Irish. <laughs> sounds like a tenor banjo. Almost. Right, almost like yeah. a tenor banjo, but with this beautiful five-string tone. Right, and right. I heard him doing the triplets, and it made those old songs that I, when I was a child, I heard from cartoons and pop culture stuff. Mm -hmm. It made them sound legitimate. Mm -hmm. 
music again instead of the joke that cartoons kind of made them. Right, you know? right. Some of the tunes were fantastic the way he did them like that. I mean, he would play that up. I'm doing a loose interpretation of what Rex actually sounds like, but that's what inspired me to yeah. to learn those songs that way. You know, right, right there, what really sounded good, what caught my ear most was the, just the triplets that you're doing were really clean. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's easy to just go one, two, three on you know with your fingers, but with the five string banjo to really get that super tight triplet that a tenor band Irish tenor banjo player does. Yeah, I think. I also don't have my, I don't straighten my picks out when I get them. Uh huh. All right. And I don't bend them up. But if I stick them into the camera, everybody always wants to see these. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I That's use right. this, uh, what do you call it? Blue chip pick. Blue chip Jerry Douglas pick. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my picks are just on my finger. They're just pretty average, pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. Just pretty normal. And I like them to stick out because I'm trying to pick the, the notes off of the bench. Uh huh. <laughs> so, so I kind of. Uh, the touch I get with them must be similar to a flamenco guitar player would have with the leverage of his fingernails or, right, right. you know, but, uh, so I had to practice that stuff. I mean, it was a little goal yeah, Sorry about the yeah. bouncy camera here. Um, it was a little goal, you know, to do that. Right. Yeah. You know, I'd play all kinds of goofy stuff with it just to make sure, like, you know. Right. Um, I would just try to play everything I knew with that. Mm -hmm. And just get, it was a little thing, you know, if you do it 10,000 times, which is pretty easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you'll, you'll get it, but that's, uh, that sounds kind of like a, you have a real nice light touch because I know doing those triplets on like the fourth string, the third string and the fourth string, it can get a little hairy sometimes. Um, if I you're certainly digging didn't deep. have the light touch to start out with. <laughs> right. It probably sounded like everybody else did. Any recommendation on people trying to focusing on getting there, just, just the touch wise? Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> the more you do it. Right, right. I mean, the more you do it, the more you, you connect with the instrument, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's what I say. Like, uh, try to get it smooth, like a painter, you know, yeah. like something with some finesse. Um, you know, you can do a lot with this. fun to do on bass you can if you learn <laughs> to do this on banjo you can also do it on electric bass right so i went back to electric bass after i had taught myself this technique on the banjo and and i could play some of the jaco pastorius too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's cool so, and the picks work great on an electric bass oh you use the picks on the bass too yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> hey just, uh, if i can jump in real quick right yeah. um uh, we have a a uh, question from Peter, actually a couple of questions from, from uh, Peter. Um, the first one he asks is related to what you were just talking about. Uh, he asks, can you show us the triplets in slow motion 
so that we can understand or see what you're doing and maybe slow it, bring that camera down and slow it down some. Maybe in a tune? Maybe, yeah. Just so I think, I think they're just so they can see exactly what your fingers are doing in relation to the notes. Let's see. Let's see. What, how about if I give it a fiddle tune like a... Just end it with thumb index okay. middle. Let's see. So I'm going. Doing the forward roll, you get on the I lead with the index finger a lot. Uh -huh. um, that helps me. Kind of helps me like set up for my. Index on the triplet, you're leading with in, in the phrase, and then the, the triplet is just thumb index middle. It's right, just right, about, right. Yep, and that's all it is. I mean, you can put that in any any you know fiddle tune really that has that uh, lineage or pedigree. You know, like. presentation of of squirrel hunters there <laughs> um, but that's that's how I kind of get it done I just kind of like do the thumbs you know I put the triplet where it needs to be and a note before or after it right, and right. Uh, you know it just takes as much listening to Irish music you know to and figuring out who you want to play like or you know the style you want it to come across I mean mine is a loose broad interpretation of all kinds of stuff that I've heard Irish wise. So I probably play my fiddle tunes in different styles from all over Ireland, depending on the version that I liked, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but it fits, you know, it's just cause I listened to it. Yeah. Have you spent listen. time in Ireland? I went there a couple times, but just on vacation and stuff. Didn't really play there. Um, oh, I played the Cork Jazz Fest years ago. But I didn't get to see any traditional music, you know? Right, right, right. So, mm, I just kind of take what I like and learn these versions of these tunes. Like, you know, I don't know what version of Cooley's Reel I learned, but...
they might do that. They might mm-hmm. consider that an odd placement of uh, where the triplets go. I just kind of put them where, where I feeling? think, yeah. where I'm feeling it. Yeah. And are you learning a lot of this stuff from, from records? Are you learning it from like, uh, what's the name of that big book of Irish fiddle tunes? Oh, O'Neill's book of Irish fiddle yeah. tunes. Yeah. Yeah. I've worn learned it from out. something like that too. Yeah. And this is just one of the styles I, I focused on that, you know, the, the triplets didn't just come from that. When that idea came and I learned how to, you know, uh, you know do this across the strings, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was automatically trying to play, what are the linear possibilities of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things I think, you know, I was playing over like a G minor chord and I was going, and I started with index and I split the forward roll across the fourth string and the third, right? So I had an index, thumb, index, middle, and then the last three notes are a forward roll as well. Thumb, index, right. middle. So I messed with that for a while till it, you know, till it got comfortable. It was not comfortable at first. Yeah. <laughs> but with the forward roll uh, uh, split over two strings, a lot can be done there, uh, yeah. technique-wise. Right, so... I started coming up with more of that stuff, but I didn't. What I didn't realize then is that I'd stumbled upon the bebop scale, and it happened to line up. uh, You know, being just (laughs) to the to the laws of bebop. (laughs) Right, so it kind of started. Well, I think one of Bayless. Bela Flex tunes introduced that sound to me as well. Uh, I think it might have been it was on it was on his album uh, his when they first went trio. Uh, I think it was it was some kind of beboppy tune. It was, it was cool. But, you know, that's the basic scale or whatever. So I kind of started, well, I guess I'll, you know, explore that and see where it goes. And uh, that little technique, that little technique ended up into me learning a bunch of stuff, chromaticism. (laughs) You know, different stuff like that. Um, just, just kind of like opened my eyes to what I could do. And you, you really got one of the, one of the things is you really got it smoothed out. I mean, the playing the linear melodic style <laughs> is the trick. You know, a real trick on the banjo I find is it gets it can be really kind of choppy sounding. To get it nice and legato sounding is is difficult, especially right. with the metal picks. Yeah, uh-huh. I want my my right hand to be able to follow my left. You know, right. The left's the ones with all the ideas. Yeah. And if I can break through a certain ability level on that, then I can go back and this hand can just follow. I don't really have to worry about what it does now because of the, right. uh, you know, all the little techniques that I learned that I'm sewing together. Um, Was there a time that it started to smooth out? I'm sure when you started, you had that you had classic 
banjo is sort of cha 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 cha, you know, yeah, machine it's, gun. It, it thing. smoothed out. It smoothed out after ten years with Bill Evans. Right. <laughs> that steamrolled all of that out of me. Right. And, right. Uh, we played a lot, a lot of gigs together all over the world every night. And, so why don't you talk a little bit without going too in depth about your time with Bill Evans? Yeah, it was my school. Yeah. You know, I already schooled myself to get to the level to where Bela Fleck and John McLaughlin recommended me for that job. Right. But I had a long way to go at that point as well. And for those who don't know, what people who, who does Bill Evans, the sax player, why don't you tell some people, explain who Bill you know, a little bit about Bill Evans, because I think a lot of Bill our audience... Evans is one of the great modern tenor jazz saxophonists in the world. He has fantastic technique. He plays, played with Miles Davis and uh, Randy Brecker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Dennis Chambers, John McLaughlin, you name it. Like, uh, he's a heavyweight musician. And I was in his band, Soulgrass, that he wanted to have a banjo and the instrumentation for. And... Uh, I was recommended by some of my favorite players in the world. So I kind of had to like live up to the, uh, I was like, what did I get myself into, you know? And uh, so I did my homework and I asked questions constantly. I mean, the players in the bands were, there were a lot of different lineups, but I mean, from Sam Bush to Victor Wooten to recording sessions with Bela Fleck, Mm-hmm. Dennis Chambers. I mean, these were all my favorite musicians. Yeah. You know, I got to meet some of my favorite players and play with them. Right. You know, uh, Sam Bush being just a highlight and a, and a riot of a guy to hang out with. Right. Yeah. Um, really enjoyable stuff. But, but um, Bill's band let me and encouraged me to be, to um, have my own identity as a musician. I, I wasn't told to sound anybody and, and, like anybody. In fact, I was encouraged mm-hmm. um, to stop sounding so much like John McLaughlin. Right. <laughs> and uh, I remember they gave me a hard time about that. I was like, how could you give anybody a hard time about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it ironed me out and gave me a lot of practice with the best players in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, all of these people were name players that I played with. And it was, uh, it was like college and graduate yeah. school you know, in yeah. jazz fusion. So. And how, yeah, you're pretty young when you got in that band too, because they're, they're pretty, you know, pretty, you know, pretty seasoned players. Yeah. I was definitely young by like several decades in that band. <laughs> right, it, right. it was funny. Yeah. So, and, Cause you didn't go to, you didn't go to a formal music school at all. Really. That would, you must've, right. I don't believe you I did, did not. Yeah. I started studying, I started playing banjo when I was 10 and I started digging deeper into other types of music by the time I was 13 and 14. Right. As far as listening goes and, you know, trying to play along with stuff. I had a music teacher when I was 15 or 16 tell me to get the book Improvising Jazz by Jerry mm-hmm. Coker. And I studied that workbook very hard. Yeah. Uh, I did. It was a small, unintimidating book, and the uh, the philosophy in it spoke to me. And little did I know that a lot of greats had learned from that book. I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Just happened, just to be random, that my high school music teacher was uh, a, a jazz B three organist. <laughs> You're lucky. When he wasn't at work, so that's where I got all my.
like my voice leading. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit. You, that you know the the harmony that you're doing is not is atypical of the five string banjo and uh, yeah, it's very historical in in the banjo in general, especially uh-huh. in where you're from in New Orleans. Yeah. But um, you know, once you get a good instrument like when I got my Deering Legacy. Uh, once you get a good instrument, you know, you don't have to worry about it sounding good or not. I mean, it does what I want it to do with the chords, first of all. Right. And it does, before we get into what you're playing on the left hand, on the right hand, you're kind of hitting three notes at a time a lot of? Yeah, I'm just using, I'm hitting three note chords. Right. And because I'm hitting three note chords, I can play three notes here on the, you know, the first three strings, right? The fourth, the third, and the second string. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can even use the fifth string. And then... Uh-huh. Right, so I can do chords. Mm-hmm. I can... I can do a lot of chord modulating, mm-hmm. uh, which means I can change keys a lot to relative right. keys. Uh, like my favorite players, Bill Evans, the piano player. Right. Um, and, you know, and uh, some of my favorite keyboardists. like to um i like to voice lead in that style I, I learned that those chord voicings out of jerry coker's improvising jazz and go back to the, like the first book right. you know these, these great voicings they give you yeah and when you're playing sounds very pianistic it sounds less than like classic just jazz guitar um, yeah and i like practicing it like trying to find ways to try to navigate it with rolls. What do you mean navigating it with rolls exactly? Uh, thumb index middle, you know, mm-hmm. thumb index. Thumb so index arpeggiating through the, through the shape. Arpeggiating through the triadic changes, yeah. 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 I like triads. I gonna say, I lost my train of thought, but up. Um, <laughs> let's see. So, how would you, how would you kind of take that if you're going into a like stepping onto, uh, sitting in on a gig like a, a jazz gig or an R&B gig and trying to take the banjo into that place? Is there an approach that you would do? <clears throat> I'd make sure that I'd probably staked out the uh, the jazz band 
to see if they played some songs regularly that I knew. I'd probably right, stalk right. them a couple times, go have dinner there. <laughs> <laughs> or if you get a guy to vouch for you, you know, if you know a dude in that band that you're cool with. Yeah, because walking in with a with a banjo on a modern jazz gig, you know, right there, you're going to get some... Oh, man, they're going to laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that happened to me. You know, you have to have... Uh, you have to have some brass monkeys and uh, you just got to walk in there and know a tune that they play. And a lot of times, some of those competitive bebop groups, they'll uh, mm-hmm. they'll pick a song they know you don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like if you go in there and, and what's the hardest? I mean, they could call any number of tunes on you, but try to yeah. know three or four big ones. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's a hard sell. Yeah. I gotta say, it was it made me tough to have to go jam with guys. It's like I'm gonna do this, damn it! I'm gonna get up there. I don't care how many whiskeys I have to drink to get the courage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, an electric banjo helps. I had the Deering Crossfire when I did all that. Right. You know, I could go plug into a guitar you just, player's you just amp. Plug immediately in. You don't have all this sound issue. You got to kind of set up on an acoustic instrument. Yeah, the Deering Crossfire was a game changer for that, and yeah. you know that was a. Uh, a fantastic instrument. I mean, it never went out of tune. It was right. solid. I never had to worry about like, oh, I'm playing bad with these jazz guys because the weather's bad. You mm-hmm. know, you know, banjos, acoustic banjos go out of tune in the humidity and stuff. Right. That banjo never did that. Or you're so, plugging directly into a feed into a PA somewhere, and it's you know. Oh it, right, your banjo's feeding back. Feeding back. And, yeah. yeah, that banjo made it so I could go play with those guys and sound good through right. whoever's amp was there. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, I, w- I remember dragging a Fender Super Reverb to some of these just to play one song, you know, just to know I would sound really good. <laughs> so they'd be like, hey, we're getting Banjo Guy up now. And I'd be out pulling this like 75 pound amplifier out of the back. You'd right? You'd look ridiculous even if you were a guitar player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was on a mission, man. I I wanted to capture a sound and understand what that sound was about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be like, a, you got to be on safari to do that. And yeah. you would you'd step in and would you play ahead or would you maybe play where you just comp and sit in and take your solo generally? I would, you know, I'd fill the spot of a guitar player. They'd give me time. Yeah. You know, to build a solo. Um, I remember one time these guys, I'd played with them before, but some other guy was leading the, the, the jazz combo and they called, have you met Miss Jones on me? And I'd mm-hmm. only been, I, I mean, I'd only been <laughs> playing changes for, I don't know, two years right. before that. They called that song and I didn't know it. Bridge is tricky, you know, goes to what G flat or something. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I can hear my way decently through something like that or, or back then I did and that and the uh, the distortion knob on that uh, uh, Roland jazz chorus I was playing through kind of helped me along in that <laughs> to make my notes longer right, so I exactly. could think about where the next change was um, but yeah I mean it, it, you, you got to be brave to do it I mean it's it's a it's uh, it's a cultural thing you know do you want to play like a standard sure Let's see. Let me make sure this is in tune. Mm-hmm. 
see. Uh, I'll play the standard uh, Autumn Leaves. There you go. That was really cool. Let's go with that really French cool. vibe, guys. That French vibe. Wine. The hot club action. <laughs> hey, well, before we jump in back in, I have a question here like, from Barbara. Barbara's here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she asks, did you study music theory or jazz theory at all? Lots. <laughs> Lots. Yes, all of that stuff. Uh, starting with Jerry Coker's Improvising Jazz book and um, the Charlie Parker Omni book in C major. I learned to read music and uh, I learned my favorite songs. And if I liked it and didn't know how to play it, somewhere in one of those books that I had, I could yeah. figure out how to do it. And I was also around people to ask, hey, how do I learn this? You know, I was around the just best jazz players in the world. So it's like learning a language, you know. Uh, you can listen to it and fake it, but to really know what the words mean, you need to learn how to read it too. So to make that, I mean, to to actually jump from the banjo technique that everybody... Yeah. 
you know, it's like learning a different language completely. Yeah, it's interesting that when you were commenting on, on you know, playing with uh, super reverbs and, and different amps and stuff, you know, you can, you can make a banjo sound like everyone, what, it, what they feel a banjo would sound like. When right. you're playing just now, you can close your eyes and kind of imagine like a, a nice jazz hollow body or something playing through a nice clean amp right. tone. That's, that's, if you close your eyes, you can hear that and it's coming yeah. from a five-string banjo. It's, it's what cool. I've always used synthesizers and pedals that are similar like that for. I practice jazz with a different sound. I don't practice it with the banjo sound. Yeah. They'll use an organ or a piano or a trumpet or a synthesizer and just try to do it because it's like playing banjo blindfolded. You know, you can't rely on your same tricks when it's not sounding like that instrument at all. Yeah. So then now when I bring it back to the banjo, I can finally do what I wanted to do for 30 years. You know, I mean, I can, I can make these melodies. know and do these things that don't sound banjo like and they aren't i'm just painting with the banjo you know that's awesome um i have one more question before i hand it back over to uh to david um this was uh peter again who asked the question earlier on but he also asked do you use different tunings for different kinds of music What, what do you want to talk a little bit about any different tunings that you use or do you keep it fairly straightforward Right now I'm doing a project with a great Indian violinist named Apoorva Krishna and uh, also Rex McGee. The, he's, he was my banjo teacher, but he also plays violin. Hmm. And uh, so I'm tuning my Deering Legacy in F, in open F. Oh, wow. Which is just a whole step down from G, you know. So I can play out of a D position, which I really like, and be in the key of C. For the Indian music, um, Could you give a sense? I agree. yeah, it's it's very similar to like a blues tuning on a guitar, you know, um, when you play in, in a D position out of like a standard tuning. But since my standard tuning is down in F, this is C. project you're doing um with this indian indian violin player you know i stay in touch with all those all the people i played with over the years and uh, mm-hmm. especially the the ones that have helped me the most uh, john mclaughlin being the wonderful mm-hmm. guy that he is uh, he's helped me out in a lot of ways and including just introduce me to people and request that i do projects with them mm-hmm. um this is a recent one that where everybody's stuck at home you know being stuck at home is it unless you're trying to work all the time it can really get at you but 
everybody should know that all the professional musicians are using this time to really to to really get creative if they stay yeah. inside the music business because uh, it's a tough business to be in. And uh, we should all help each other out. I mean, while we're here. And there's not a lot of that going on these days. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of people recommending, you know, people are playing with their friends. That's great, but... You know, we, we can get along like we're at camp, too. We all, we all have to live here together. Mm-hmm. So John McLaughlin loves to make those connections. He, right. I think it makes him happy to do it, but uh, yeah. it makes us happy to do it, to, to, uh, to, to work hard for him and to, uh, you know, impress him because uh, right. we learn so much from him. It really keeps the music growing, you know, making those connections from different schools. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it totally does. I mean... Uh, you know, he said in his email that, um, you know, Aporva needs to learn. She needs to play with Western musicians and you and Rex need to play with Eastern musicians. And I know you'll all get along. Go for it. <laughs> so, you know, it's a long process. I mean, you're passing around tracks over email and having somebody else put a part to it. And they might uh-huh. be busy trying to survive in their mask somewhere. And, uh, you know, if you have kids and whatnot, it's really hard. But luckily, the elect- in the electronic with the electronic age, you don't have to go to a studio now if you have, you know, a mic and a preamp right, and, right, right. and garage band, you know, so. And, and are these tunes traditional tunes or is it, is it original music? We're going to do original music. I, actually, I think um, uh, Rex did Squirrel Hunters, he said okay. the other day. So we're going to be doing that with, uh, with Carnatic Violin on it. It should sound mm-hmm. pretty cool. And you've studied Indian music for a, for a pretty long time. You, you played with some Indian musicians when you were younger, too? Yeah, I've casually studied it. Um, I really liked, you know, uh, pop culture-wise, the Beatles, you mm-hmm. know, those particular songs, the George mm-hmm. Harrison ones. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had, you know, it's a similar, the music has a similar... I guess it's like a droney pentatonic draw that mountain music does. Right, right. So. And the banjo has that, you know, that sitar sort of, that, that Indian music sort of. Uh, yeah, that was my fascination. It's a droney thing. You know? A lot of people ask me what my fascination was with Rubens, you know, the Earl Scruggs tune, Rubens trained for so long. But it, w- it was that. Uh, it just sounded like that to me. wanted to see what something like that would mm-hmm. how, how, how creative could I be with that and I mean I'm leaving intervals out I mean and just trying to um, I kind of tried to do the John Coltrane thing with that song where I could get real real loud uh, you know, sing to, sing to some spiritual higher up right. through right. the music, like Jimi Hendrix. I kind of yeah. used Indian music along with blues to f- to find my own way to that Jimi Hendrix sound. Right, right. Yeah, I like how they sound so similar. Uh huh. And mixing them was, uh, I liked that candy, so <laughs> I made it myself. <laughs> but 
that's I loosely studied Indian music, and around the time I was really getting into Shakti, John McLaughlin's Shakti, when I was in my twenties, yeah. uh, uh, I ran into a Sarod player that had studied at the Ali Akbar School out there in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. At Cal Arts is that in L.A. or San Francisco? Yeah, that's in L.A. That's in L.A. Okay, in L.A. And uh, he played very good Sarod and very good tabla, and that's just what I happened to be listening to at the time, you know, and, uh, he's like, Oh, you need to be in my band. We'll play some gigs. Uh, we became friends and I started taking lessons from him, you know, and playing different gigs around town, you know, sometimes an Indian restaurant, sometimes a, a wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I sat on my pillow and I, I wore my, my traditional garb, you know, just to sit in the back and be the, uh, Panditji on the banjo mm-hmm. that was studying with, you know, my Yoda on the, <laughs> on the Sarod. Right. I did all that. I got into it and uh, I learned how to play some of his songs. And I just got the overall feel for what the language of that particular, particular school of Indian classical right. music was from. So he was a North Indian classical player. There's a lot of, a lot more structure there. There's like, like this, this long lineage of, you know, tradition and uh, very similar to bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Only these guys were more like Buddhist monks and Jedi, you know, <laughs> they, they were very like serious, mm, serious about this music. It was, it was like a Kung Fu movie. It was great. Right. <laughs> I, I was totally into it. Totally into it. Like, you know, if you practice hard, you'll, you'll find this higher power in right. yourself. Uh, so, you know, I mean, those guys, you know, getting all worked up to, sh- to shred. That's, I got all my shredding from, from the Indian music. Right. You know. So that stuff came just from listening to Shakti, you know. And I'm doing all those downward sequences with thumb index middle on each string. Uh All forward rolls. Uh, So it's a three note phrase on each string. Yeah, right. I practiced it for hours and, you know, to like. I mean, to some of my roommates thought I was crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, he must have driven some people crazy. <laughs> and uh, the banjo just calls for it with these picks. I mean, you can yeah, leverage them yeah. really well. And, um, but that's where a lot of that came from, playing in that with that guy. I really learned how. I didn't want to shred neoclassical Yingbei Malmsteen. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to some, somewhat sound like... Uh, well, there's a lot of people that influenced me, but like uh, the the fast playing like that was really. I heard John McLaughlin for the first time, and, and I was like, "Wow, I've only heard horn players do that." You know, express yeah. themselves with ease, um, yeah. and and you have to have a light touch on the instrument to paint with it like that, in order to not sound like a wanker. Right, right. <laughs> That's basically basically we got to do it. It took a bunch of years to get there. You know, to not sound mechanical. I don't I don't want to sound mechanical when I do that. Right. And John right. McLaughlin's the first person that I heard 
that Besides sounds Eric, musical. Was I heard him and Eric Johnson at the same time, and I said, "Man, these guys play really slick." Like, right. yeah, like Silver Surfer slick. I mean, I was just associating their playing with when I was a kid with all these this, these different things that it evoked in my mind. Right. So that was a cool tale to chase, you know. Like, and I, uh, I remember, I remember uh, mowing lawns to buy the double VHS Eric Johnson like how to play guitar course you know and like you know it was hours long but I mean it was it was fantastic it was informative I mean and uh, uh, John McLaughlin's came out years later when I'd started after he got me the gig with Bill Evans he sent me the guitar course that he put on DVD mm-hmm. so I studied that you know I just translated it all for banjo um, nothing licky. I don't want to play guitar licks. You know, right. I don't. This, I want to play. I want to be able to improvise. Yeah, it was all for the technique of this hand, pretty much. And I've heard you say, um, you know, you've worked a long time to be able to have the technique to play a lot of notes really s- smoothly and melodically. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say you're kind of trying to remove some of those notes now. Yeah. There's just habits that, that I bit. listen to. I, re- I record myself most every time I play. Uh-huh. And uh, I listen back to my game. Yeah. And I pick myself apart. I'm my worst critic. You know, I'm sure some of you out there on the internet could beg to differ, and I'd love to hear from you. But, <laughs> but, but really, I listen to it back, and I pick myself apart, and I kick my own ass. You know, and I also pass it pass my music to John McLaughlin and and uh, other players who I really admire, Dennis Chambers, and I say, hey, what do you think of this? Does it suck? Tell yeah. me where I, what I could do better. Um, I'm still doing that. I did it for years. I've always done it. And I try to weed that, you know, I'll just try to avoid that curve in my improvising. And I'll, I'll tighten up, you know, I'll tighten up a lot of things to a metronome or if I don't like that I'm something I'm doing in a song, I'll learn what I'd rather be doing. And I'll practice that at nauseum. I mean, really like if I'll take down a song, if, if you guys out there haven't broke down a song like this, this is really great to do. If you hear something that you're trying to learn, right? Like Turkey in the straw. All right. Here's the melody. Well, how do you do that? Well, Break it down and learn each part at nauseum. Cool. Right. If you get sick of playing it one spot, right. and I start slow, like and get a good classical tone. Right. See what it sounds like all over. And then I start clicking the metronome onto it. And I'm always trying to push it. What can I do? What can I get away with? Because if you find out you have a physical proclivity to jump to that that next tempo, you should, you know, grab onto that. And uh, if you you do it in that sequence, it, it all depends on our nervous systems and our bodies and how we think. But, you know, and I'll learn the next part. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
started at nauseum and just mm-hmm. like, or find a better spot to play it. But I literally will break songs down right into four and eight notes like that. That's how I was taught. Yeah, you know, a good tip. And just, just watching your technique okay. there. I was just say, just watching your technique. I'm curious. Um, you got such a nice touch on that on that right hand. When you walk around like the Nam show and all these kind of things, you've always got these guys kind of pitching like grip strengths and, and kind of just these things to kind of help your picking and, and your playing and your fretting and that kind of stuff. Do you ever get involved in it? Are there any exercises or anything that you do that, that doesn't involve the banjo that helps you translate onto, oh, onto yeah. your playing? I recommend stretching your hands. Okay. Like getting one of those. Uh, there's a great yoga book that I have, hand yoga, hand um, breath and energy work for hands and mind, I think it is. Uh-huh. A friend of mine's dad wrote the book and they gave me no. the book. And I was already doing that stuff for a long time. I was like, man, if I'm going to be like, if I'm going to be a, like a banjo kung fu artist, I have to like stretch like one. Mm-hmm. You know? And I do all this different stuff. Um, you know, I just get my hands, you know, nice and nice and limbered up like mm-hmm. before I'd play, even when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, nice and warm. So you don't have to blow on them. And, uh, you know, even if they were sweating, that was better than them being cold. You don't want to run your hands cold ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was told that by my Indian instructor too. Like, he's like, yeah, I pop my knuckles all the time and you should keep your, you should always warm up before you play. Don't just jump on stage and rock real hard. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I crumpled newspapers. Yeah. I, I would take like the Sunday page, like the big one yeah. and just try to get it into a ball with one hand. That's how I worked <laughs> out with it. It's like Bruce Lee stuff. And then, then I like, uh, then I like tied a rock to like, like a broom handle with a rope and I twist the rope <laughs> you know, right. on the back porch. And every time I go out there, I twist the rope. Some guys are pumping, you know, doing bench presses. You're sitting there doing this. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was all about the cheapest way to do it. I had to buy strings, you know. <laughs> a bucket of rice works really well. Bucket of rice. Yeah, yeah. there's guys out oh, yeah. there that do jujitsu and use that for grips and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it really worked. Uh, all that stuff really worked. And I also did proper posturing when I played, you know, like, yeah. I don't like my hand will get lazy sometimes and my thumb will come up here, but. For the most part, I like to keep my wrist straight. And, and, and I want that thing to work. I want it to look like a thing from the Adams family when it plays on. When I play, when I play it. No, I'm kidding. But but I want it to work well because I want it to be able to do what my my mind tells it to do. And you have to practice that. You know, sure. you have to practice improvising. You have to practice taking the chances. Um, and that's what I like to do. You know. What about breathing while you're playing? I mean, a lot of people tense up because they they almost don't breathe normally. You good know. question. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that has some kind of like, that's some kind of like ambidextry, ambidextrous type of thing to learn how to do. I never had a problem with breathing. Okay. Um, I feel real relaxed when I play. Sure. I hate playing nervous. Right. And I hate when I'm put in a situation where I have to get on stage and like, if I know the song's easy, that's great. I'll improvise over it all day. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard it and it's written for the sake of being hard or mathy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd rather know it and go yeah. on stage so I can have fun. You know, and if yeah. you can have fun when you know you're in that situation, you can't do anything about it. That's the, that's the ultimate. But 
but I really like to know it beforehand to know stuff um, so I can improvise over it because that's what I have fun doing. And that almost can kind of, next question is wondering if you ever experienced kind of any sort of nerves or stage fright um, or just with knowing it so well kind of get you over before you even hit the, hit the stage. It really does. I was in, uh, I was, I played in Sicily one time with Bill Evans and the Soulgrass band. And I was, I was fine. I was doing fine. We packed this, it was some kind of theater, you know, mm-hmm. full of Italians. And, uh, the tour had been going on for a while. And, uh, some stage hand gets me high with a joint before I go on stage. And I was as nervous as I'd ever been, <laughs> but, but I had, I was nervous. I was shaking. It was good stuff. You know? <laughs> anyway, I, uh, uh, I had one choice, you know, I had a choice halfway through. I could see the band starting to look at me like, what's wrong with him? Right. And I had one choice to either enjoy it for what it was or be scared. And when you change your mindset, right. I'm here to have fun. This right. is music. I'm musing. <laughs> you know? but I think that's a good for, 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 for people that are having kind of getting nervous playing, you know, maybe remember to have fun to don't. Take it seriously, but also don't take it seriously. Yeah, if you have a hard time laughing at yourself, don't play music. I mean, that's (laughs) because you're going to make mistakes. Everybody does. Like, there's not a, uh, the perfection in it is, you know, I'm sure the perfectionists are driven towards classical music, you know. But I don't want to, I don't want to recite a speech on stage. I want to, I want to improvise my, my, uh, you know, freestyle. Mm Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's invigorating. I mean, it really is. It's, you know, if it's a bad, there's going to be bad nights. It, you, there's built in humility with doing it. Um, I like what it's done more for my personality than my career. <laughs> I, you know, it gave me a, a humble, there's a humble place you lie within yourself after that because right. you've humbled yourself. Yeah. And, uh, but with great risk comes great knowledge, you know? So what did I learn? from from uh now i didn't play so bad on the embarrassed night that i was that i was super super nervous to get on stage right um i didn't think i played bad mostly because i had a big smile on my face and i was having fun the whole time (laughs) that can really fool an audience you can play like play like shit and smile and if they see you're genuinely having a good time they'll i mean they'll forgive you for for your mishaps Yeah. yeah yeah but um but no, there there are nights that were just totally awful for me, and uh, because I was tired or didn't have any any uh, stress, and you know nobody in the band said anything to me because they knew I knew, and you know you need to know. Right. That's all there is to it, really. You know, there's no there's no perfection, especially in improvisation, and that's what our lives are anyway. You know. Yeah. So I don't like to let the direction of my improv- improvisations blow in the wind either. You know, I don't like it just, I don't intend them to get uh, real weird. Depends how I, how I feel that night, but, you know, kind of relates to everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I've got a couple of questions here that kind of tie in, if you don't mind, Dave. Go ahead. Um, so one was from a customer, um, Neil in Canada. He emailed us earlier today. Um, who asked, 
or out of all the genres of music you play, what do you find the most fun to play? And when relaxing at home, what style of music do you play the most? Uh, and kind of in that same vein, Oscar from Madrid, Spain, which is awesome. Um, is it jazz music that you like to play more with a banjo? And he also requested, could you play something for us? Because I think he joined a little later than most okay. of our viewers. But. Um, yeah, I keep three things on my plate uh, that I rotate with. I love Celtic music. I love jazz. And uh, I also really do like bluegrass. And I've thrown some Indian music and blues in there too. So I kind of mix and match those a lot of the time with different musicians. And, uh, you know, I don't like to label it as jazz because I'm trying to play creative, improvised music all the time. But if, if I had to say what it was, it would probably what I'm playing most of the time is jazz, mainly because of the technical the style that I'm using and the harmony on the instrument. Yeah. And, um, but I, sometimes I get tired of that and yeah. I need to express myself something. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> jazz is hard. <laughs> You know, let's, but uh, sometimes I'll need a vacation, you know. And when I take my little vacations from my musical, whatever musical genre that I happen to be presenting in my life at that time or learning from, um, I might switch up to a different instrument, like an electric banjo. Or I might decide to do that. I might decide to go back to jazz on the acoustic banjo for a while. Or I tend to make instruments kind of guide my uh, you know, my studies too, you know, but yeah, I practice a lot of jazz. I like the changes in it. Uh, it makes me a better modern player when I have to play, um, when I play with, with funky, funky drums and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a fusion ensemble. Yeah. Yep. Pretty cool. Okay. Do you want to play something for us? Uh, sure, let's see. Just improvising. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found some new stuff in there. And that's why I like to record every time I play. Right, right, right. <laughs> I go back and find something new every time. But, but uh, 
I learned jazz so I can write it. Uh, that's how I teach myself to get better at it. Whether I release a record on it or not, I think it's like my main cross-training music just because I like listening to it. I like the sound of it. Mm-hmm. Um, ten years in that genre, and I felt very welcomed and at home, and, uh, you know, it's a great art form. I really like it. Yep. And your album, The Realist, that came you released this past winter, that was mm-hmm. fully improvised, right? Yeah, I was inspired by this, like the electric banjo I played it on. And I liked, there was a certain pedal that I played on there called a Maris Enzo. It's made by the Maris company and the model is called the Enzo. And uh, it's an analog guitar synthesizer pedal. It's like a little box. And uh, it's a deep little box. And it sounds like all those classic synthesizers. And uh, I used that on the record. I did the record in chronological order in like a week Uh might even have been three days over a weekend and uh you know some of the songs i put a mic on the amp some of them i went direct i i experimented but i was inspired enough to where uh i could improvise many things because this was a new a new setup for me at the time right and i simply used it to do the record do Um, you think you'll like when you when you what you're just, would you be able to play those tunes again? Like if you if we were out of lockdown, you were going to play gigs. Could you play some of those tunes off of the record, or are they so improvised <laughs> that no, it's there's kind of stream could, consciousness. I could distill my themes from them that I built on and and do uh-huh. improvisations based off of that. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you have the kind of any sort of thematic ideas going in on on it, or it was just straight? I knew how I wanted the tonality of the instrument to sound. Right. Um, and I was inspired by Bill Evans, uh, the uh, piano player. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat Metheny, John McLaughlin, Bela Fleck, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just all the great jazz players that I liked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, telling, telling a story uh, in the moment. It's like a photograph, only it's, right. it takes longer to look at because it, it takes right. longer to listen. But uh, that was my only idea. I was other than that. I'm not aware that another banjo player has done that before in the jazz context. Yeah. Um. um definitely got got some uh, nice comments from that record from some people that wanted to let me know they didn't like it, and that's good because <laughs> I'm gonna do. <laughs> For you guys that don't like it, I'm going to do a nice, a nice Jimmy Fallon style video where I read all those messages at some point. <laughs> what, like what, did they, what did the people who didn't like it? What were they mentioning? What was where they want to hear more bluegrass or something oh, like that? This is boring. This absolutely sucks. Whoever uh, listens to this right now is a total idiot because it's not worth the shit. You know, just just no, no, no depth to it. Just, just right. Just yeah. rant. You know, trolling. I'm sure there's yeah. people there. You know, got it. If you. If you've done anything outside of the box in your life, there's going to be somebody in your life that has it out for you, you know, well, and like that, that's that's that also banjo is a great way to uh, to absorb those. those it's, it's good that, you know, you can show that was artistic because, you, you know, you ruffled some feathers on some, you know. Right. I mean, in order to have an idea, you must risk being offensive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, you know, if you're going to put it out there, uh, you better. And, and, you know, I have friends that work in like internet marketing and stuff and, 
my buddy, my buddy in North Carolina looked at him. He's like, he's like, oh, that one has like, you know, uh, 500 upvotes and three downvotes. He's like, you need to get those downvotes up. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He goes, that means people are talking. <laughs> thought that was funny. Either way, uh, yeah. it'll make for a good video in the end. I'm going to compile some stuff. <laughs> well, the record sounds great. <laughs> I wouldn't worry Thanks. about it. You should take a listen if you haven't heard it. Yeah. Um, what else do you, you've done? We work, you've, you know, amplified your banjo, both acoustic and electric in a lot of different formats and tried a lot of, a lot of different things. Um, what kind of is your, without going too deep into it, what kind of on your acoustic banjo, what, what's kind of your setup that you use? Um, man, I have all the, uh, the measurements written down, but I keep, I like to keep, I, I play songs that change keys a lot. So I noticed that if I keep my banjo head tuned in, you know, a half step up from the home or a whole step up from the the home key, it it only rings certain frequencies for those keys. You know, like how the right. bluegrass bluegrass guys playing in A all the time, so they want to tune that head in A too, even when right. the, even when the capo's off, which gives it a certain sound. Yeah. But since I might go up and play, you know, I might have to play 16 bars in F sharp major at some point right. in what I do. So I want that to sound. I want that to ring true. Um, so the, the Deering banjo really does. I, I mean, this uh, Jens Kruger ring in this thing is, it's, it's really great. I mean, I just have so many great things to say about this, but the guys at the workshop probably when I send this in, they probably hate me. They're always putting screws back in it and I take the <laughs> screw out and I throw it away. <laughs> I have a bag full of screws. I could send back to you guys. I got like 10 of them, but somebody always cranks that back down. But I like, I like this where uh, you can see how high right. you like the, the, the tailpiece, you know, up more and then the head a little bit looser. Right. Yeah, and I use an American banjo company frosted head because I like them. They're a little bit thicker. They don't wear out as soon as the Remos. It gives you a little bit thicker sound, a little bit, you know. It just doesn't wear through and, and be clear. Yeah. You know, I don't like yeah. them. I like the batter to stay on them because I don't sure. like how they feel when they, I don't know, I have a little more grip. I like I like batter guys. <laughs> I use my smile bridge. Actually, this isn't a smile bridge. This is just a flat bottom, like Deering signature bridge. Sure. I use, I think, Deering medium light strings. Mm -hmm. Whatever those medium lights are there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and how does the radius fingerboard affect you? Does it affect your left hand or your right hand a little bit more? Um, it actually took a lot of getting used to. Yeah. Um, I like the wide fingerboard because I can get the, like I can get the, the note spacing I need to get my fingers in there to play a chord really clear. Right, I really like that. Um, the radius, I'm sure it makes for a more comfortable grip that I don't, you know, I haven't played a flat fretboard in a while, so I don't, I don't know. Um, but I definitely like how wide it is. 
And I'm sure this radius, it isn't much of a radius. I mean, it's a very elegant radius. Um, I'm sure that's made me a better player too, but I couldn't tell you just because. I certainly couldn't play this fluid on uh, an instrument before I got one with a neck like this. It took, it hurt, sorry, when I first got this instrument, it took some getting used to. Because the, the spacing is wider. And it took, I had to get my hand used to it. Right. But once I did, I really loved it. I don't Going back to your plane, sometimes you use the head as a rhythmic device. You, you know, sometimes, you, um, do you want to kind of play an example of that? Sure. Uh, let's see. Sorry about the bounce. All right. All right. Let's see. It, yeah. uh, it it comes in handy in solo playing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's really, I just do it when I miss a drummer. Right. Um, so I just learned kind of how to play everything with that rhythm in my head, whether I play it or not. And you, you stick, know. you get all three fingers to kind of hit the head? Yeah, in between the strings. Right. In between the, whatever strings that they just played the chord on. Um, I'll just go. Yeah. So I, let's see, what did, what did I first do that on? Uh, I saw there's that video of you doing it on uh, what, Salt Creek or something. Oh, Salt Creek, yeah. So I learned how to do it with a bunch of songs. and. trying to go for i'm trying to be my own interactive drummer yeah but it also does it it also helps in a certain way it helps your phrasing and in that it's like like a horn player you have to breathe it almost forces you to take a rest which banjo players kind of 
Yeah, I was inspired r real young by how Victor Wooten accompanies himself in, in the, that rhythmic way. Right. So I learned how to do it, you know. For, uh, some funk outfit or something but i listened to all the funk standards in high school and what better time to learn them all <laughs> right do you, do you have any of those under your fingers still uh let's see let's see uh, like... uh i don't oh man that's that's really... about like i think i've seen you play like what was it pick up the pieces or something or... That's great. Uh, 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 some of the, I forget some of the riffs. I remember having to improvise in Bill Evans's band with riffs. He wanted right. improv improvised funk riffs. Right. Right. I was trying to get away from funk at that point, just because everybody does it. You know, you don't just be one of that guy plugs in and gets on stage and you're like, you know, those guys in <laughs> the coffee shop and do that for like two hours. Um, but I, he wanted me to be able to. Uh, didn't want me doing the percussive thing on the head of the banjo he didn't like it because the drummer was already doing it the drummer's doing again in the way yeah. but so if you're in a string I, band some or you know a stands drum drummer sort of band it, it might work yeah and thanks to my practice for all those years with the you know the percussion on the head i could do it and okay not banjo playing but it works yeah. so well on the instrument because the instrument's so buoyant and plucky yeah. and percussive right the percussiveness works great for that sort of 
I didn't quite know how to place myself for a, for a long time with that like, this is total heresy, you know, bluegrass banjo, this, this funk playing is... If I started playing on a bluegrass tune at a, a jam session, for instance, and somebody's like, I don't know, you know... And I come in and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> You know, that made a lot of people mad, right? <laughs> uh, but there's there's value in it. There was value in it for me because I had to do it to keep my job. Okay. So I, I wasn't really, uh, it forced me to go back and visit my high school years, which I had just grown out of doing <laughs> this band. I was like, oh, I got to go back and do all that? I don't want to do that. Right. I moved on from it. I learned what I had to learn from funk, which was that, uh, that internal pocket. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to keep that pocket. without percussive anything, but I went back and learned all those. He wanted me, sometimes he wanted me to comp, like funk comp like that, like real busy. Mm -hmm. Like he wanted... And sometimes he wanted that funk real sparse. Right. You know. Yep. If the, if the drums were there. <laughs> Just be yeah. able to improvise so I could change up as his his improvising over it uh, mm-hmm. changed up too. Right, right, right. So it's very it's very on par with some how some of the African descendants or the the ancestors of the the modern banjo uh, attack music. Yeah, you know those African instruments with the heads on them and some Indian ones very percussive but melodic mm-hmm. at the same time. So I draw a lot of my inspiration when I'm not playing traditional bluegrass styles of music i draw a lot of my inspiration from those you know uh, right cousins of the banjo because i like that music anyway you know right mali guitar yeah, yeah. Know, guitar from the the country of mali um the sarod players the um i like flamenco guitar a lot so I, those are really kind of the only guitar stuff i listen to do you ever listen to like you know like west african like afro pop guitar players absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just listening to some of that the other day. Fantastic stuff. The, the soundtrack in um, The Last King of Scotland. I just happened to watch that movie. Okay. Great, great Afropop. The soundtrack in that movie is fantastic. Cool. Um, but uh, those are the banjo's relatives. So, I mean, that, that music... I want my improvising to evoke that. You know, um, if somebody from Africa comes to one of my shows or... From one of the from India or you know Mississippi or wherever, I want them to hear the music from the, where they came from in right. in this banjo, at least a little bit. I mean, because you like to you like people to know what you're going for um, when you're going for something. It's uh-huh. like a lot of the bluegrass guys are like, "Well, he's just playing weird stuff. He just likes to be weird. That's that's weird," you know. <laughs> yeah, that that actually segues 
absolutely beautifully, if you don't mind. Oh, good. Yeah, please. I'm tired of hearing myself talk. No, 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 no. You're doing fantastic. I, I received an email. I don't know whether you know um, our, our good friend, Ernie Welch. Ernie. Uh, Ernie. Uh, he just emailed me, and he said, uh, let me pull it up real quick. He said, get him to play a straight Scruggs just to show how he has that mastered too. Okay. All right, we'll do that. Right. I don't know how straight I can go. Damn. <laughs> uh, let's see. How many viewers do we have? Four? Uh, no, right now we have, uh, we have 53 people watching. Oh, that's great. Uh, all from around the world. We have other questions as well, which I'll go to. They're very different questions. So, well, um, and uh, Ryan, just to check, how are you doing for time, man? Are you good? I have all day. I, this is the only time we can hang out, and you're my only friends. Well, we we appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's hit some scripts. Let's do that first. incredible yeah. <laughs> for anybody doubting that he's just a funk guy and a jazz guy there you go straight up uh did as straight as i could did as straight <laughs> as i could I'm, I'm glad i didn't i could have easily veered off the road and crashed into a tree it's hard now <laughs> um okay i have a, another question here from alan jones if you don't mind david um alan's in the uk uh where i'm from yeah um, he says in Celtic sessions in the UK and Ireland, most tunes are played in the keys of D, G, or A. Do you play in the same keys on the five string when you're doing uh, Celtic stuff? I do. Yep, yep. I use a banjo, that, my other banjo that's tuned in G major. Okay. Instead of F. And you keep it in G major for for something in A. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll use a capo, or you know, if it's A minor, I don't need a capo. Um, but yeah, I play those songs all in their home key. And, uh, you know, if I had to do something like that, let's see if I can remember one of these, uh, the flowers of Edinburgh. Yeah. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Oh.
That is in uh, that's in the key of F right now that I'm playing it in, but uh, if I had my other banjo, it would be in the correct key, in the position I'm playing it in. So, gotcha. uh, questions coming in, Jamie? Uh, I think I got most of them on the chat. Uh, I did have a message here from here. Wait one second, uh, Ryan. It's Greg. I think it's Greg Taylor. Okay. Can't wait to get back to normal and Tennessee Brew Works. He says. Oh, nice. Cool. There you go. That's great. My buddy Scott Simontaki plays down there on Wednesdays in Nashville there you go. When, when society is working. And, um, and uh, I used yeah. to go down there a bunch. Very cool. There you go. Very cool. No, I think uh, I've got no more questions here. Ryan? Man, it's, it's been great. It's been a yeah. real, real pleasure. And I think it's, it's really cool because we've had, I think this is now the fifth one we've done. Uh, something like that and we've had a, a really nice array of uh, of musical guests and they're all from different backgrounds different inspirations different you know forms and it's really cool to have that mix it's it's, it's really good to see where different different inspirations come from you know and so yeah. you are definitely up there in there pulling inspiration from maybe areas that other people wouldn't think so that's a lot of people ask me why i don't you know play like a banjo player so much there's just so many great banjo players playing like banjo players Right. Sometimes I feel like I don't have anything to contribute, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, so I just go for whatever whatever I do. But it's really nice to be here and, and uh, among those banjo players that have been on that have been on this show. It's <laughs> it's, it's the fastest growing online five string banjo specialist webinar series <laughs> on the internet. That's great. Is, is this is this uh, pretty successful? How were the viewers for Tony Trishka? It had to be a bunch of people, huh? It was, it, was, it was pretty good. Everyone's had a really good share so far, uh, and we're just doing our best to improve it. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of people tuning in from around the world. We just we had Baston just tuned in right now from Australia, Madrid, the UK, across the country in the US, Canada. So it's really cool to have to have everyone tuning in, and we appreciate it. And um, yeah, we want to we want to keep it going and keep it even when things do get back to normal. I think this is going to be something that we do regularly because it's a really good opportunity to to share and connect and catch up and yeah, it's have fun. a chat. Yeah. This is funny and fun. <laughs> yes, it is. This is both. Uh, David, do you have anything else you want to add? Not right now. Thanks a lot for, for coming out, Ryan. It was great, you know, great hanging out, great listening to you play and go over your techniques and everything. I appreciate it. Yeah, guys, thank you for the good questions and the, uh, you know, the banter. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, just wrapping up, would you mind... Uh, before I'm going to sign off, but would you mind playing us out when we're when we're signing out? And, and if anyone watching, if you have any comments, suggestions, anything of that nature, info at gearingbanjos.com is the email address. You can always check out the uh, the website, gearingbanjos.com. And Ryan, where can people find you online, social media, all that kind of stuff? RyanCavanaughBanjo.com. And uh, I, have, uh, I have two pages on Facebook and an Instagram. So you can find me on all those places. 
embedded in the social media machine. My artist page on Facebook is probably your best bet. And I've curated it just for the music listeners. Perfect. I don't have aunts and uncles chiming in on weird <laughs> posts. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks so much for your time today. And uh, please stay safe out in Nashville. And hopefully things get better back to normal sooner rather than later. But uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Great. Thanks. I'm going to yeah. play you out with a, with a piece I wrote for, uh, uh, I'll just let you guess who I wrote this for. I called this Triple Loser. I listened to Jack White and I liked the groove, so it has some of the percussion stuff in it, but uh, right. here, here goes Triple Loser. <laughs> Thank you.